Well, good evening, and welcome to our Global Missions Conference. We're happy to have you. I was just reading today in a, a book an author who was um, not so much making a case out of it, but he, he happened to say, just in passing, making a comment, and he said, you know, to him, uh, missions uh, seemed like a word that become too tame. Uh, really, who knew what it meant anymore? And, and his, his proposal in its place was missiles. <laughs> uh, he talked about missionaries being the projectile people of God. I love that. I thought, I thought that had a nice ring to it, projectile people. It's better than other things you can put with projectile. Uh, and so this weekend, uh, we are dedicating ourselves to how God is moving globally. This is our global missions conference, and our focus is taken out of Psalm 67, which says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Would you pray with me? Father, in this place, that is our desire, that we would praise you. You have included us in your grace. You have called us to your Son. Thank you for those who reached us. Thank you for those who reached our ancestors, in some cases who handed down to us what they heard. Thank you for including us in your goodness and giving us hope and a home in your Son. Lord, as we uh, hear your servants tonight talk about the needs of the unreached peoples in particular, we do pray that what we do this weekend will affect reaching those that need to hear the gospel. And that being reached, they'll be discipled. And being discipled, they will generate um, throughout the places they live uh, an incredible gospel witness for your namesake. We thank you for those you've gifted to lead us musically as well. Bless them and us as we sing your praises in this place. Fill this place with your spirit, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to begin by singing a song of praise, ascribing to God his awesomeness, his power, his greatness. Uh, Stephen's going to lead us in Korean, and we will respond in English. Let's sing together. darkest world is 
I have the uh, distinct uh, pleasure of introducing a good friend to you. Our speaker for the 2021 Global Missions Conference is Jason Seville. And a lot of you know Jason. He's been a missionary of our church. He served in Shanghai, China, Shanghai International Bible Church for the last six years. But recently, returned to the States with Kim and their four daughters and now make their home in Alexandria, Virginia, where he uh, joined up with a good buddy of his, a guy named Garrett Kell, and together they're pastoring the Delray Baptist Church right outside of Washington, D.C., which is an area that Jason was already familiar with, being a West Virginian uh, by uh, heritage, and so he's uh, back in the home country of his familiar, uh, familiar surroundings, Kim as well, Northern Virginian. So uh, we're glad to have you back in Memphis. You lived here for a long time working with Downline. Uh, we were able to launch you out to Shanghai, and uh, so it's really good to have you back with us in our pulpit. I welcome you. Thank you, Cole. Thanks also for the West Virginia shout-outs. Always appreciate those. It's good to be back. I was in back in town for approximately 30 minutes and had a slab of ribs sitting in front of me. So I feel like I'm doing it right, whatever I'm supposed to be doing. So, well, mission is what the Bible is all about. We could as meaningfully talk about the missional basis of the Bible as we could talk about the biblical basis of mission. Let me say that again. Mission is what the Bible is all about. We could as meaningfully talk about the missional basis of the Bible as we could the biblical basis of mission. That's the first line from a book called The Mission of God by Christopher J.H. Wright, a book that came out in 2006, kind of his magnum opus. Chris Wright is the International Ministries Director for Langham Partnership or John Stott Ministries, I think it was known uh, here in the U.S. But for years he taught a, a course at All Nations uh, Christian College entitled The Biblical Basis of Mission. That was his course, Biblical Basis of Mission, taught it every year. But he, uh, as he explains in the book, he was growing more and more uncomfortable or, or more and more burdened about the title of that class, The Biblical Basis of Mission. 
And the reason was because he said when, what most people think of is that we, when we talk about the biblical basis of mission is that we have this thing that we want to prove that the Bible talks about mission. And so what we do is we go and we, we just grab some passages from here and there in the Bible and kind of lash them together to, to prove, yeah, look, look at this. The Bible does talk about mission. So we'll go and grab Matthew 28 from over here and we'll go grab Genesis 15 from over here and we'll, we'll go grab a Psalm 67 and we'll, we'll go around in Romans 15, Romans 10, and we'll get these missional texts and we'll kind of package them together and see, look, the Bible actually does say things and have things to say about the topic of mission. And that's fine as far as it goes. I, I, the Bible does have plenty to say about mission, but his discomfort can be seen in the fact that he wanted to change the name of the course from the biblical basis of mission to the missional basis of the Bible. And, and that, 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 that flipping of that mental framework actually communicates quite a bit. His growing conviction was that the Bible just didn't have some, some stuff to say about mission, but that the entire thing was mission. The, the, the fact that we have a Bible, the heart of God from the opening pages of Genesis to the closing pages of Revelation, the entire thing, it isn't just, well, mission is one of these topics that happens to be mentioned in your holy scriptures. No, he's saying the whole thing is missional. That's what the whole thing is about. So I'll read that opening line of this book once again. Mission is what the Bible is all about. We could as meaningfully talk of the missional basis of the Bible as the biblical basis of mission. Well, tonight we're talking about Missiology 101. We'll have a, a number of brothers come up here and, and share uh, the way that, that, that we go from what we think the Bible says to how First of Ann is trying to uh, live that out and pursue that mission of God that we see in Scripture. And so there'll be a number of us up here sharing tonight. But to get into it, I, I want you to go with me to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. I love this passage. And again, this is one of the, the, the verses that will always be brought up if you're talking about whether you're talking about a biblical basis of mission or a missional basis of the Bible. In fact, I saw it on the slides. I think one of the other brothers will use Romans 15 and their piece as well. But in Romans chapter 15, I love this passage, both because it is a common verse that anyone would use to talk about the biblical basis of missions, but it also, it does that, but it also takes us further back. It takes us further back and shows us the missional heart of God from the very beginning, the deep roots uh, planted in Genesis that spread out and form a missional foundation throughout the rest of Scripture. So look with me, Romans chapter 15. I'm going to start reading in verse 18. Romans 15, verse 18 down to 21. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ had, has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on somebody else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, those who have never heard will understand." So there's one answer for why do we seek to reach the nations with the gospel, and that's the, the first piece that uh, I'm up here to talk about tonight. Why do we have this, this drive? Why do we want to see the least reach, reached? Well, it's because Christ isn't named everywhere yet. That's why. It's because the gospel hasn't been proclaimed everywhere and isn't being proclaimed 
everywhere. We do missions so that Christ would be named where he isn't currently named. We do missions, whether here in Memphis or in the United States or uh, internationally uh, abroad, we do missions so that Christ would be named where he's not already named, and we do missions so that the gospel would be proclaimed where the gospel is not proclaimed. That gospel message, the good news, it is, it is our only hope. It is the only hope for the world. It is the only hope for all nations, for all peoples. Regardless of how devout any uh, one group of people may be in their own religion, and regardless of how uh, fervently they pursue whatever faith it is that they have, the only hope is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to the extent that that is not, isn't being proclaimed among all nations, that is our drive for mission so that Jesus would be named where he's not named and the gospel would be proclaimed where it isn't being proclaimed. That good news is vital. And, and I don't know everybody here this evening or anybody that might be tuning in online, but just so we're crystal clear, uh, whenever we talk about the good news, when we talk about the, uh, the gospel, we, we, what we mean by that is that, that Jesus, that uh, God the Father sent the Son to um, come and live a perfect life and die in our place for our sins. So Jesus was, was our sacrifice who died in our place, bearing the, our punishment that our sins deserved. And, and, and what I mean by that is it's not just sins like we do bad things, right? Sins, capital, capital letter S, sins. Like, we, yeah, we all do bad things and we lie and maybe we think things we shouldn't or say things we shouldn't. It's not that. It's something deeper down in us that's broken. There's something deeper down in us that's distorted. It's, it's a sin nature that something is, has, from, from, our, from our first parents, Adam and Eve, that there's something broken and distorted in us. And that capital S, sin, that infects all of us is why any of us do lowercase letter sins. And what God did is God sent Christ to come and, and, and that, all of that sin is deserving of death. But Jesus stepped in our place as our substitute, bearing God's wrath and his penalty for us. So that any of us, by turning from our sins and trusting in Christ, might have eternal life. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And I don't want to assume that here tonight. Uh, Dean and Sarah wrote a book, as a uh, pastor and author, wrote a book just uh, 2019 called The Unsaved Christian. If anybody's familiar with that book, and his argument is that the, the, the most overlooked mission field in America is the unsaved Christian. It's people who go around their entire lives and say, well, yeah, yeah I'm a Christian because yeah, I grew up at First of Anne. That's why I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a Christian. Having, my grandmother's been here for 80 years. Yeah, I'm a Christian. But if we haven't repented and trusted in Christ, all of us, then, then we are, are as lost as the unreached in the far corners of the world. And so what Paul is saying is, Paul is saying, listen, I, I have this ambition to proclaim the gospel where Jesus is not already named uh, where, and where the gospel isn't being proclaimed. That is his ambition. So, so why is it that we have a burden? Why is it that we have a missions conference here at First of Anne this year that talks about reaching the least reached? It's because these places still exist today. With all of our technology, with all of the history of missions that we have, with all of the churches that we have around the world, there are still places that are unreached with the gospel, places where, where Jesus is not currently named. And so we continue to press forward. As Isaiah says here, this is Romans 15, verse 21 
Isaiah is quoted, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Isaiah has that kind of Revelation chapter 7 vision in mind that this is, this is a mission that will succeed. And so we do this because Jesus isn't already named, and we do this because we have read the rest of the book and we know where this is headed. We know that this is headed to saints from all tribes, tongues, and nations gathered around the heavenly throne of God and praising Jesus. And so we know that's where that's headed. So that's another reason why we see right here in this passage why we have a drive to reach the unreached, to reach the least reached. is because Jesus isn't named there, but God will raise up worshipers from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and we want to take the gospel to them. Indeed, we have a responsibility to take the gospel to them. But I want you to note a word right there in verse 18 that we read. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. Paul talked about his ministry as Christ working through him to bring the Gentiles to obedience. Now, the, the Greek word that is used right there is the Greek word ethne. And I mention that just because that's going to have a lot of relevance here in a few minutes as the other brothers come up and share and, and see that this, the charge to reach the least reach uh, is, is a charge to, to reach all the ethnes, all of the nations, all of the people groups. And we'll, we'll unpack that in a few moments, but that, it's the same word that can be uh, translated as Gentiles. So Paul's drive was to, as we see here, he, he wanted to bring the Gentiles or the nations, meaning all the nations that aren't Jewish, like all, everybody outside of Israel. So you have Israel and then you have the nations, Israel or, or the Gentiles, everybody else. And so that, that ethne word that we're going to talk about a lot tonight, that's right there in verse 18. And so Paul sees that and, and, and he, uh, it, it means the nations. And that word ethne is used nine times in Romans 15, verse 8 down to 21. And so it's amazing that in this, this huge missionary text in Romans 15 that we always hold up and say, look, look at what Paul wanted to do, follow his example. Paul really had a drive to go and name Christ where he wasn't named and take the gospel where, he wasn't, where, where the gospel isn't currently being proclaimed. That was Paul's drive. We should want to be like that also. We also see this quote from Isaiah, and that should be our vision too of every tribe, tongue, and nation gathered around the throne, and so we want that as well. But then we note that there's something else more foundational underlying and, and, and laying beneath all of this that Paul is saying. And it's this idea that he sees part of his ministry and is bringing the nations to faith, to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. Now go back to verse 18, or I'm sorry, verse 8, Romans 15, verse 8. We rewind this a little bit. Romans 15, verse 8, Paul says, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. So here's what I want to do right now. I'm going to look at verse 8, and I want, I want because we, we get to the, the end of Romans, the, the Romans 15 passage that we started with, this is this big missionary text, but I want us to get a running head of steam and see why Paul is saying what he's saying. So we start right here in verse 8. And he talks about these promises to the patriarchs. What were the promises to the patriarchs? Promises to, to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and to Joseph. What God was doing is promising that he is going to bless the world through blessing this nation of Israel. That was the promise that, that, that God had made, that, that he would bless them in order that they might be a blessing. That's the promises to the patriarchs. And so, I mean, there's, there's a lot more going on there. 
all of Genesis to unpack, really. But, but, but I think with reference to the nations and the Gentiles and what Paul is getting at here is that God was going to bless the, uh, the, all of the nations through the nation of Israel. And so that's what he says. Jesus came to be a servant to the circumcised or to the Jews. Je- remember Jesus saying, I came to the, to the sheep of the lost house of Israel. So Jesus came uh, to the circumcised, the Jews, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm promises given to the patriarchs. If you would just uh, summarize the Bible, the Bible is, is promises made and promises kept. Promises made and promises fulfilled. The Old Testament is promises made. The New Testament is promises kept or promises fulfilled. And so that's what this text is saying. Jesus came to show those promises are now indeed fulfilled in Jesus. Verse 9. And in order that the Gentiles, there's our word again, the nations, in order that the nations might glorify God for his mercy. So through this ministry, uh, showing that these promises to the Jews have been fulfilled in Jesus, God is going to show all nations his mercy. So you see right here, friends, from the very beginning, it wasn't just about God blessing Israel, but, but through them displaying God's goodness and character and beauty so that all nations might know him. That's undergirding Paul's missional drive. And then in verses, if you keep going, so therefore, this is in verse 9 as well, therefore, I will praise you among the, uh, among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Verse 11, and again, praise the Lord, all Gentiles, or all nations, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, verse 12, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, or the nations. In him will the Gentiles, or the nations, hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Now, you probably didn't catch what Paul just did there unless in your Bible, you've gone down to like the little tiny footnotes and then written the verse references beside those. But listen to what he did. That verse nine that he quotes there, he's talking about the, or verse eight, he's talking about the patriarchs. Verse nine, that quote is from 2 Samuel twenty-two fifty. 50. It's by David. He's quoting the kings of Israel. Verse 10, that quote, rejoice, O nations, with his people. That's from Deuteronomy 32. That's the law. Verse 11, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, all you nations, and let all the peoples extol him. That's from the Psalms. Psalm 117 is from the wisdom literature. Verse 12, Isaiah, he's now quoting prophecy. And so what Paul just did right there, he says, listen, guys, this has been God's heart from the very beginning. God's heart has always been for all nations everywhere. Don't believe me? Let's go all the way back to the patriarchs. Let's go through the law. Let's go through the the, the kings. Let's go through the wisdom literature. Let's go through the prophetic literature. Everybody said the exact same thing, that God wants the nations to be saved. God uh, God wants the good news to be proclaimed to all nations. And Paul is beating that drum over and over and over again. And then verse 13 that we read, the Roman church can have a great hope and joy because of this reality, because God has worked to see all peoples reached with the gospel. The entire Old Testament beat this drum. The nations, all people, the least reached, hearing about the glory and goodness of God. So this famous Romans 15 missionary text about preaching where Christ isn't named is born out of an understanding of what God has always been doing all the way back to Genesis 12. It's the very heart of God, and it's the very nature and trajectory of all of Scripture. The Bible is a story about promise and fulfillment. Christ came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel to both show God's promises to the patriarchs were true, 
verse 8, and verse 9, so that the Gentiles and the nations might praise his mercy as well. So why focus on the unreached among all peoples? Because this is God's heart, and it's the focus of the missional thrust of the entire Bible. Now, there's more to be said about how we do that. The Ron man's going to come and talk to us about the task of trying to do this well. Good evening. I've been asked to speak about how the task of reaching all peoples with the gospel involves missionaries crossing linguistic and cultural barriers. Jesus commands in the Great Commission, as you know, that we're to go and make disciples of all nations. And as Jason has just said, that phrase, all nations, in Greek is ta ethne and means all peoples. Have it up there? Yeah, all people groups. So our target's not just countries. There are 195 countries uh, in the world, but 17,000 distinct people groups. So great language and cultural diversity. Many people groups in one country often and going across national borders, in fact, as well. So our target is not countries, but people groups. Throughout his history, the church has been laboring to take the gospel across these barriers, these linguistic and cultural barriers. And a crucial development in missions in probably the last 50 years is the concept of contextualization. Because you see, missionaries used to take the gospel to foreign peoples dressed in their own cultural clothing, saying, you need to look like me and sound like me if you're gonna be a Christian. And so there's been a wonderful development of missionaries realizing that they need to go and be listeners and learners. They need to learn the language. They need to translate the Bible into the language of those people. They need to communicate, especially to illiterate oral cultures, in different ways than you would with other people. They need to learn to use the music and the artistic expressions of those various people groups uh, to give expression, uh, especially in worship that their way of worship will look different among many different national and people groups. The key distinction in all of this is that there's a message that dare not change, but there are many, many different ways of expressing and celebrating that message. Now, my mission's work in particular, if we could put the picture up of the bridge, this is an illustration I use of a suspension bridge where you have two towers that are firmly sunk in the ground and can represent in our illustration uh, the biblical framework, the biblical standards laid out for us in God's word uh, for the message and also for areas of worship. But a suspension bridge also has a cable bearing some of the weight of that bridge and in a bridge of this sort, the cable bears some of that weight, but it is not firm and steady like the towers, but because of changes of temperature and wind and so forth, it is, has built-in flexibility. And that represents, uh, in the illustration, the cultural latitude, the cultural freedom we have within biblical frameworks, within biblical standards, to give expression uh, to worship in other areas of our faith in many different ways. And a lot of what I'm involved in teaching overseas is to teach believers to carefully distinguish between the biblical framework, which is non-negotiable, 
and give freedom in those areas that are negotiable uh, in terms of their various cultural expressions of the unchanging truth. And learning to allow others to express things in worship and other areas of the church uh, in ways that may be different than your own, but not without thinking that we have found the one right way to do that. So I've had the privilege of sharing those principles uh, with Hickman in India and among the Tlapanecos in Mexico, with Arab believers in Jordan and Ukrainian Baptists in many other places with different groups. And what allows me to do this is that the biblical principles underlying worship do not change from place to place. We find that uh, encased in our own elders' statement on worship, that there are unchanging principles that we have learned here in this church to express in different ways and with different styles. And the same is true around the world as well. The standards, the biblical standards and principles don't change because they are biblical and by definition transcend culture. So when I go to teach in a different place, I always start with the disclaimer. I am not here to tell you exactly how to do worship in your culture because I'm not from your culture. What I can share with you are biblical principles which don't change from culture to culture, the foundation, the bedrock upon which we must build our worship. So I present that, that I can come from the outside and share that, and then they need to take that and apply it with their own culture and their own ways, giving expression uh, with the freedom that the New Testament allows them to give wonderful uh, diversity of expression. I'm also involved with a global network that puts on conferences where we celebrate with people from many lands the huge diversity of expressions of worship and missions using the arts and music, other cultural expressions from the different countries. So celebrating that, uh, that God-honoring variety that God enjoys, that diversity that we're allowed to, while we communicate an unchanging message in a huge variety of different ways. Non-negotiables, we don't negotiate by definition. Negotiables, a huge amount of freedom. So Hickman's gonna come and tell us now how the global church is doing in taking the gospel to the least reached. Hickman. Well, good evening. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing from all of our missionaries, some are here, some are hopefully watching this live stream. Uh, we're praying very much for the global missions team to that everything will work with all the ambitious Zoom connections. But how are we doing uh, fulfilling this? Uh, Jason read the text, Romans 15, where Paul's strategy, if you will, was to go uh, to regions beyond to where the gospel had not been preached. Uh, I think about uh, the heritage of this church when Mr. Lemley went to the Klopanekos who were unreached. Uh, Bob and Dottie Hoppy went to the Malayos who were unreached and parts of those places are still unreached. But uh, we have a concept of need versus access. We all know the song, people need the Lord. Everybody needs the Lord. Um, and, but everybody doesn't have the same access to hear the gospel. A lot of nations are, quote, closed. And so when you're trying to reach a people group or a nation, you have to come up with different strategies. Uh, we see uh, when we look at 
the world, how our missionary assets are being used. Uh, sadly, only a certain amount of our missionaries are going specifically to unreached people. I don't know if you're familiar with this book. This is kind of the Bible of missions, Operation World. I think the first time I saw one of these was 30-something years ago. George Verwer holding this up. But it's got every country in the world in the, in the status, what religions, how you can pray. Uh, very helpful to pray through. Uh, but we have lots of unreached people groups. Uh, there are some 17,000 identified people groups in the world. Uh, to be an unreached group, the definition is less than 2% of their population are born-again Christians or evangelical Christians, so they don't have enough true believers to evangelize and disciple the rest of our, their group, maybe no churches, fewer no believers. So then we look at a very, if this is a, an unreached chart of the unreached people groups where they come from. So 45% are Muslim backgrounds, uh, Hindu 27%, tribal 7%, and you can see this uh, makeup here. Uh, sadly, only about 3% of our total missionary force is going to these least reached, these two billion people out of the seven billion people that inhabit the earth now. Uh, then, do we, if we had the 1040 window, Okay, here's the 1040 window, which is 10 degrees north of the equator to 40 degrees north of the equator, west of Africa, over to east of uh, Japan and China. This is where a lot of missions emphasis has been. This is where the majority of the unreached people groups are in the world. You can see the majority religion by color. Uh, green is Islam, yellow is Hinduism. You see the blue, Christian. And I appreciate him, him pointing out the, the problem of the unsaved Christian. Take a country like France. It's, it's blue up there. They have 10% of France is Muslim. 1% is evangelical Christians. Uh, so a lot more Muslims than, than true believers. Uh, and so then we, we, so very small percentage of our total mission force is going to the 1040 window. Now, if we can put the slide, the next slide up there, uh, here's an example. The nation of India has 1.3 billion people. This one state, Uttar Pradesh, has 200 million people. This is where Lucknow is. This is where we go. We've gone many years. Uh, this particular state, if it was a nation by itself, would be the fifth biggest nation in the world. 80% uh, Hindu. 18.5% Muslim, 0.1% uh, Christian, qualifies as an unreached. The latest census, 579 out of 613 people groups, no Christians of any kind, unreached. And then here's another example. Uh, this brother, you remember Paul was there in Acts 16 and he had a vision and there was a man from Macedonia saying, come over and help us. This brother right here lives in this, this is the furthest most district in India. It's right next to the Pakistan border. It's called the Kutch. Jim and I have been there. Uh, I actually 
taught a, a, a group of workers Tuesday by Zoom. And I talked to this brother, Cornelius, and basically he's saying, come help us. Well, how can we help? Well, we can help them by praying. Pray that the gospel would go forward. Their theme for this meeting was pressing forward. They gave me the text, Philippians 3, I press on toward the prize. And so we need to encourage one another, even this weekend. A lot of our missionaries, let's encourage them and let's encourage one another in the gospel. So how are we doing in the task of reaching all people? Well, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, laborers are few. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers in the harvest. So pray that as we go through this conference. I think of the little ones in there uh, with their mission conference shirts. Uh, and I will, I'm not gonna make the person stand up, but they've had a really good program, pray for the kids. And I, I commended this couple for having their kids there every week. And I said, I see they have their mission conference shirts on. And she said, no ironing for a month. But pray that, because we'll hear stories during this conference of people who grew up in this church and maybe even heard as kids and got the vision to go. So thank you. I'm going to turn it over to David now, and he can tell us about changes that are going on in our world and how to reach the unreached. Thanks, Hickman. So we've been looking at Missiology 101, and uh, it's my time to give kind of some good news. I guess when you look at how bad things are through what, what he's just shared is that such a small percentage of missionaries and missionary funds and people are going to these large groups. But what's encouraging is that God is doing something about it. Before we go there, I wanted to ask, why, why is this so hard? Why are these people groups been so difficult, these particular large religious groups that we've looked at, so difficult, and we've struggled as a church, and I don't mean First Evan, I mean the global church. Well, to be quite honest, let's just look at some of the reasons. They're hard places to get into, to get residence permits, to work, to stay, and it's becoming even harder for Westerners and Americans. Countries are shutting their doors. Uh, so they're hard. They're closed to missionary visas. Uh, the traditional outreach that we do. Uh, in this last two or three years, we've seen maybe 150 workers kicked out of Turkey, where I used to serve. And then entire countries just kicking. We saw Pakistan kick out all Western missionaries. So it's becoming, it's a difficult. The, they're resistant to other religious perspectives. You've seen the words Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, non-religious. They're very resistant to other religions. They're looking at through that filter. They're very rigid cultures and worldviews. Uh, this is what their, their parents, their grandparents, their great-great-grandparents, when somebody considers another faith, like Jesus Christ, they're looking at it through the history of their family and culture. For them to turn on that is like treason, cultural treason. In some countries, it's like national treason. You are no longer of us if you follow Christianity. Why else is it difficult? Bad history with Christianity in the West. I used to live in a country where just a few minutes outside my city, there were crusader castles. And they used to say, you guys have already been through here. 
You know, that's heavy. That is a hindrance. Bad media. We got bad media going on here, learning about peoples of the world. Well, they've got their own bad media, which produces prejudice. Uh, the, the gospel grows very slow in these places. Whenever we tell people you're heading out to one of these unreached areas, you're going to need to lower your expectations. You pray great things. You work hard, but you know that it's hard. So this is hard work. But what if Jesus had only fed the first few rows when he was feeding the 5,000? What if he had stopped at the fourth row and just forgot about all the rest and started serving the first row and the second row again, right? Why do we go? That's what we've been talking about. Well, let me give you some good news. God sees these barriers and he's shaking up the world to open up new doors and create new pathways for reaching the least reached. Let's read Acts 17, 26, and 27. One of my favorite passages that sort of shows, gives us a glimpse of what God is up to. God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. So where people will live, we think we drew the map. We think we know where people are going to live. You stay in your country, and we'll paint your country blue, and you stay there. And that's not the way God works. He has decided where they'll live and when they move. And he's decided these periods of time in history. Isn't this exciting? God didn't draw the map. I mean, we didn't draw the map. God's drawing the map. But why is he doing this? that these people should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. So let's look at a few ways in which God is actually helping us. Sometimes you can get overwhelmed and just see all the bad news and say, all these unreached peoples and they're harder to get into and they're a difficult people. How are we going to reach them? Look at this, what God is doing. And I know this, you, you might say, Migration? Are you talking about immigrants? I thought we closed the doors. I thought we're building a wall. Well, let me tell you, God doesn't care about walls. He's going to keep moving peoples around the world. So we're seeing unprecedented migration. And why is this changing the world? You saw uh, uh, Hickman showed you a map of the 1040 window. You know how that's changed is that God is moving people, bringing these unreached people in the 1040 window into closer proximity to God's people and the gospel. So regardless of your politics, regardless of what you think about migration, is that the whole world is feeling this pressure of people moving around like never before in history. But this is God saying, people in these countries, I'm gonna bring those people into another country, maybe thousands of miles away, because I want them closer to the gospel. What else is he doing? Urbanization. God is bringing these unreached peoples from villages to big cities. You're like, oh, here they come. They're moving into the cities for work, for telecommunications. Why is that on God's radar? Well, because he's bringing them close to the church and so where there's more Christians. So basically, missions is happening whenever we cross cultural, linguistic, and religious barriers of the gospel, whether we are whether they're here in Memphis, in Bartlett, in Germantown, or whether they're in Greece, or wherever they are. So God is using, basically, establishing cities. They tell us something like a city is formed every week, somewhere in the world. And that's God's way of bringing these people that are stuck out in small villages, and he's bringing them to cities. Isn't that encouraging? What else is God doing? 
He's sending missionaries in in different ways. He's using creative access jobs. That's right, we're using medicine, public health, water, agriculture, media, architecture. We're gonna be sending uh, the balls, Britain and Aram, over to, the, uh, to another part of the world to use architecture as a way to get into that country. I used education. So basically God is saying, use your brains, use your jobs, take your jobs with you. So there's other ways of getting in these places. So it's very encouraging. Uh, what else is God doing? He's saying to the Western church, I want you to defer to the nationals, empower them. What Hickman showed you in that picture, how do we help that state in India? By empowering Cornelius, by empowering these Indian nationals. So I believe it's the time for the Western church to start empowering the nationals. What else is God doing? Well, uh, Cole had been preaching on the vulnerable populations when he went through biblical justice. And he talked about the quartet, which were the widows, orphans, sojourners, and the poor. And God is using these difficult populations in a way for us to come along and serve them, which opens up doors for the gospel. So this has risen, this, this refugee populations and more of these human trafficked peoples, these have increased in the last 30 or 40 years like never in history. This is bad news, this is bad news. But God is shaking all these peoples up and bringing opportunities for the church. So I, instead of seeing all these bad things, I like to look at the news and say, what is God doing? Because God's on a mission. Just as Jason said, that is the mission of, the, of what we see in the Bible. And he's basically using things that we would read in our phone and go, look at this. This is bad news. And God is saying, no, I'm building my church. So why is this encouraging? God has not abandoned his mission. He's not left us saying, figure it out. He's actively working to help us to complete the task. So my challenge to all of us, let's embrace his strategies. And I'm going to ask you, do we see the nations? I think I'm asking you on a slide here. Do we see the nations? When you read your news app, do we see these events and, and the things that are happening and those that are living around us through the God's lens and his mission? Or do we look at it as, uh-oh, you know, there goes the neighborhood, there goes our country, there goes trouble in the neighboring country. Uh, when you think of a country like Syria, you look at the map and you say, there's Syria and there's where the Syrians are. No, not anymore. Half the country's gone. Half the country is now in Turkey, Lebanon, Jordan, Bartlett. Okay? They're moving around. And so when you look at the news, let's be encouraged that this is God building his church. I think we're going to sing and then Jim's going to tell us how First Yvonne has been involved in this for years and what we're doing now. Thank you. We're going to sing together again in just a moment. Um, before we do, I just want to introduce our uh, guest here with us, my friend Matthew Jott. Uh, and I need to kind of wind back the clock just a little bit so you understand um, Matthew. Uh, uh, so the story actually goes back. Uh, Matthew is from Myanmar, or what's the other name for Myanmar? Burma. Burma. 
And so Myanmar or Burma, and uh, Burma is near, it's in Asia, near other countries, China, China. India, countries. Yes, and, the, and Myanmar is in the news these days because of regime change. And uh, you are from, there are six people groups uh, in Myanmar, mainly. Six six, I mean, my, it's but. My people group has six different you know, subgroups. Yes. So Matthew is from, of the Kachin people, Kachin people. And um, so the way that the gospel came to the Kachin people was there was a Swedish Baptist church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and there was a man there named Ola Hansen. And Ola Hansen went to the king of Burma and said, I want to speak to the Kachin people because they didn't have the gospel. And the, the king, who was not Kachin, said, like, good luck, you know, because he didn't like the Kachin. And so he went, and Ola Hansen, this man, the Swedish Baptist, he gave them their written language, he gave them their dictionary, he gave them the Bible, he gave them their hymn book, uh, translated a lot of hymns that we are used to singing from back in that day. So that story was forgotten here in the United States. Then that church in Minneapolis, it became, later it changed its name to Bethlehem Baptist Church. And uh, in the 1980s, there was a new pastor named John Piper. There was a missions revival in the church. And then one day, not long after God was stirring their hearts, there was a man, there was a lot of internationals in the church, uh, but there was a man in tribal dress who was attending the service, and the missions pastor went up to him afterwards and said, hi, I just want to introduce myself. Uh, who are you? And he said, my name is Ken Naw, and I've come to visit my mother church. And your mother church? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's uh, several hundred thousand uh, Kachin Baptists in Myanmar. Did you know that? No. Oh, Okay. So they got to talking and realized that the story had been forgotten, and behind closed doors, behind closed borders, the gospel had been growing. So Ken Na, this man who was here, uh, who came back to visit Minneapolis, he had five children. He named them Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Ruth. And we have Matthew with us tonight. So, uh, Matthew uh, has been really used by the Lord among the Kachin people. Matthew lives here in Memphis and helps oversee a group of churches that are Kachins here in the United States. Uh, so, the Kachin American Baptist Association, he's been the secretary or president of that association um, and travels here from Memphis uh, to go to other places. Um, so he has, he's studied at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and lots of education and things like that, but just thrilled to have him with us, uh, a friend. I've been able to go visit his people a couple times on different trips, so lots of mutual friends. He's also a worship leader and singer. So he's going to teach us now. Uh, what are you going to teach us? Our people group was called Savage, you know, people group, and then because of the church like you are, you know, back in the days, over 100 years ago, obedient to the call of God and sending church, and not only that, supporting, then 
now about half a million Kachins are praising the same God that we are worship and blessing the Lord with the songs that we all sing, but in Kachin, also called Jingpo. So Jingpo is the language of the Kachin people. Yes. And we're going to sing together uh, a song that's familiar to us, but we're going to learn the translation yeah. in Kachin. Yes. Let's do real cross-culture tonight <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> All right. Let's help us cross the culture. Yeah. <laughs> Let's stand together. Oh, my heart to find. Cry, walk, bitch, come down. Cry, walk. 
นกุทิงนกอเอนางวะเพสอราไอพุงมะชานีนางวะมะดูพ่องเดเลตกราคุสัสนาอุงกุนดัดราลามนีเพอุงกุนโจไอพ่องเพมิชั่นคอนเฟ
the least reached is happening when we engage international students here in Memphis or students in Dubai. When we engage Muslim refugees in Shelby County or we work with refugees stuck in islands off the coast of Greece. Or when we engage Hindus living in Cordova or Collierville and also Hindus living in, in Nepal. Reaching the unreached sometimes involves us going to the ends of the earth. But sometimes God brings them here to us. The bottom line here is that everyone should be involved in God's mission of reaching the unreached. So if you're interested, if God is speaking to you, come to the missions office. The global missions team would love to talk to you and help you discover how your particular contribution would look like in reaching the unreached. Okay, so speaking of reaching the unreached, I'd like to hear, or let's hear from one of the uh, young couples that we've sent out uh, from First Event. We've sent them out to a very large unreached people group. Jeff and Katie Saunders are in Japan. Okay, I'm here with Jeff and Katie Saunders. Jeff and Katie are in Tokyo as we speak, and they are the missionaries at First Event. You've been in Tokyo for what, about four and a half years or so? Yep. And so um, I just want to have this conversation with them, but first I want to know a little bit about uh, what were your connections with First Event before you uh, before you went to Tokyo? Yeah, I, I first uh, was connected to um, uh, First Event during my college ministry years. I was a student at the University of Memphis. I was rooming with uh, your own Ryan Dalton, and uh, he just hounded me about uh, joining First Event. And through much prayer and conversations, um, just uh, I felt led to to join the college ministry there. And uh, little did I know that the Lord would actually use it in terms of just kind of reshaping how I thought about college ministry, because that's really kind of what we want to do here. We want to kind of create that space where people can feel comfortable to bring their questions and their doubts. Um, and uh, so, yeah, God was using it, you know, in, in uh, enormous ways to kind of reshape how I think about college ministry. Um, mine was a lot earlier, back when I was Katie Short I, in elementary school. I went to ECS Ridge Lake, and so I have very fond memories in the first Savannah building from all growing up. Oh, that's outstanding. So you mentioned that you're working with college students. Talk a little bit more about what your ministry is. Yeah, so I'm connected with uh, Mission to the World, but not just that. I'm also connected with um, RUF, Reform University Fellowship. And we're trying to establish the first um, campus ministry, RUF campus ministry here in Japan. So we, it has an emphasis on the local church. That's um, something that we're really passionate about because, uh, as you all know, when you graduate college, you can't come back to the ministries that you were a part of in college. And so um, as we're introducing Jesus to people, we want to introduce his bride because the church is going to be there as that instrument that God uses to continue um, to, to shape people more into the image of his son. And so uh, the church is vital in terms of our, our, our strategy and our mission uh, to reach college students here in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Good. You say college students are vital. What 
what's important about uh, Tokyo or, or Japan in general? Yeah, I mean, so Tokyo is just, uh, it's a mega city. You know, we got 35 million people that are here. Oh my word. One million plus of the population are just college students in, to, in to, specifically in Tokyo. And, uh, and so, which is the, you know, about the population of Memphis, which is just kind of crazy. Um, but, uh, you know, Japanese is a people group, second, still second large, if you can believe it, in the world. And then, a, you know, the second largest unreached people group in the world. And, um, you know, you can take the, the Japanese as a people group and you can take the university students as a, as a, as a subgroup and, and they're even less reached. And so, um, but yet our, it's perhaps one of the most strategic points in, in a Japanese's life. Um, you know, they just have an enormous amount of time on their hands. And so, um, you know, to kind of reach students at a time where they're wrestling with, not only are they available, but they're also asking a lot of big questions about life and religion mm -hmm. um, is incredibly strategic for the ongoing church planning movement uh, here in Japan. What are a few things we can pray for you? Um, yeah, certainly for a connection to the university. I think that that's something that, um, you know, most uh, campus ministries have with public universities in the, in the States. Um, I think that that's something that we would love to see happen. Uh, formal connection with the university to, doesn't mean that people are gonna attend our, our, our Bible studies, our events, but to be able to have that freedom to move it about on campus. Um, without it, it makes it really, really challenging to, to get on campus. There's freedom of religion here, but there's a lot of rules uh, on campus, people are very skeptical about any religion and religious activities. So that that being one, second would just be a number of students that the Lord has brought into our life that are just um, asking a lot of big questions about life and religion. And um, uh, if you could be praying for these handful of students that uh, Jesus would continue to draw them to himself. Um, and if you could also be praying, I have um, a group of ladies that I am co-leading with a Japanese Christian sister of mine um, in a Bible study for people who've never studied the Bible before. And so we're currently going through Luke. And if you could pray for their hearts and pray for the Lord to work. Absolutely. Very good. Well, uh, once again, thank you for your time. And I might just yeah. say that uh, we, we will have a panel discussion at four o'clock Saturday afternoon. And you're gonna be a part of that discussion. And also the uh, the Louders uh, will be a part of that. Just focused on uh, Japan and why the, the country or the people group of, of Japanese people are so, uh, so very important. So we look forward to uh, more conversation with you. Okay, let's remember to pray for Jeff and Katie Saunders. They've got two adorable kids, Emery and Ezra. Again, as I mentioned, uh, 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, panel discussion together with Roger and Abby Lather. They're going to be talking about Tokyo and reaching the unreached in, in Japan. So next, let's, uh, we want to share with you a video of one of our ministry partners and what they're doing in, in South Asia. Let's watch this video and then consider how we may come alongside them to advance the gospel. Advance the gospel among the people groups that they have targeted. Have you heard? 
that there are 2.3 billion Christians in the world today, and there are 1.9 billion Muslims. Have you heard that India is the second largest Muslim nation in the world behind Indonesia and predicted to be the largest by 2050? Have you heard that Christians and Muslims are discriminated against in India? This common ground has allowed India to become the most open nation to reach various groups of Muslims. Why are we sharing this information with you? First Evan and our ministry partners want to help eight unreached groups among the Muslim community in the coming five years. Currently, our partners are mentoring 42 leaders in the Northern region, and we want to help and equip these believers to be able to enlighten their own people with the truth. This year's Global Mission Conference project seeks to accomplish this by helping our partners with various social and economic development projects. These projects include opening informal schools, our partner wishes to create and run 25 informal schools in the states of Uttar Pradesh, Bihar, and even in the country of Nepal, as the Lord leads. Free government education is available in most areas. However, many are not run well due to lack of teachers or facilities. Many poor families often don't send their children to school due to lack of awareness about education or the children must work to help support the family. The idea behind informal schools is to create interest among parents and children for education. This will also help our partners connect with the parents in the community. If the children do well in these schools and have a good foundation, they will be admitted into formal schools to continue their studies. Our partner would also like to provide a feeding program two or three times a week for the students who are malnourished. Skill Development Courses Our partner is proposing to launch tailoring and embroidery training courses. Each of these courses would be three months long and would allow boys and girls to develop skills that they could use to make a profit and help support their families. The tailoring course would help them to learn to sew over 65 different kinds of clothes and materials. Embroidery is very fine work and requires much skill, but it earns a huge profit for those who are in this trade. Our partner hopes to run five tailoring and five embroidery training courses this year. Agricultural Project In India, a significant number of people are farmers with small land holdings. A biofertilizer company run by believers has offered to provide organic fertilizers and growth enhancers to other believers at a good discount, which will allow them to sell these products to farmers in their villages. This creates an opportunity for people in the community to become entrepreneurs. This same project has been tried in Gujarat state and successfully helped many pastors become self-supported in less than one year. Our partners plan to help more than 20 workers through this project. Motorbike repair training. A car is not a common vehicle among the majority of Indians. However, many are able to buy a motorbike. In rural areas, they don't find many motorbike repair shops and have to travel to a nearby city to repair their bikes. Our partner would like to set up workshops to train young men to repair motorbikes who could then open their own bike repair shops. 
This would give them the opportunity to support themselves, their families, and provide services to their community. In the coming year, we want to assist our partner to train five young men with the skills to repair motorbikes. Bible Training Every Saturday, our ministry partner is running online training for 42 followers of Jesus. The training includes lessons on basic Bible doctrines, Christian family, church, evangelism, and discipleship. Due to various reasons, not everyone is able to join. With the help of a well-respected member of their community, our partner is working on having video and audio recordings made of the training material that can be put on mobile memory chips for leaders to listen to at their convenience. Currently, our partner does not have adequate equipment to record these resources in-house and would like to have the ability to do so. Providing these various forms of training is only the beginning of relationships that we hope will blossom into communities of Jesus followers. Now that you have heard, let's help make a way for the least reach to hear the good news of the gospel. Psalm 67, 2, that your way may be known on the earth and your saving power among all nations. Wow. So how can we help? We can pray. We can pray for our ministry partners and we can give towards this project. Our goal for the weekend or for the missions conference is $20,000. So consider how you might be involved with our ministry partner as they seek to reach these Muslim background folks in South Asia. So there are different ways of giving. You can designate on your check uh, Global Missions Project, you can uh, go online. Uh, uh, the project table in the foyer, we can help you go online. You can use Venmo at, uh, at FEC Memphis. Um, and we can take your credit card too, for that matter. So consider how we could continue to work to reach out and reach the less reached. Ken. We're going to close by singing a song that some of you may know and may be new to some of us. It's called For the Cause. It's a Getty and uh, uh, Keith and Kristen Getty and Stuart Townen song. Let's stand up together and we'll learn this. Uh, another song to add to our repertoire of uh, songs to know that remind us of our call to share the gospel. the King, we give our lives an offering, till all the earth resounds with ceaseless praise to the sun. For the cause of Christ we go, with joy to reap, with faith to sow, as many seed 
and many put their trust in the sun. Christ we proclaim the name above every name of all creation, every nation, God's salvation through the sun. lifted high to cries of rage of crucified endured the cross as every sin was laid on the sun to the king who conquered death to free the poor and be oppressed for lasting peace for life and liberty the sun. Christ, we proclaim the name above every name. For all creation, every nation, God's salvation through the sun. take our seats. As we end our evening together, I uh, just want to highlight for you a few of the opportunities that we have over the next few days. Uh, if you received some of this information or all this information, uh, you can find it on the website and uh, click on emails that have been sent, but just want to highlight for you since this year is so different than what we've done in other years. So, 
Um, as soon as the session is done, uh, think about what you want to do over the next couple days. Figure out what uh, events you want to join on Zoom, what sessions you want to join. Sunday school classes are going to be meeting with missionaries uh, throughout tomorrow and Sunday. So check with your Sunday school class leader about times and Zoom links. Um, there will be panel discussions. There's two on Saturday morning, two in the afternoon, and also one on Sunday afternoon. And these uh, are going to include learning about how missionaries are engaging the least reached in Central Europe, Middle East and North Africa, Japan, as we heard, uh, South Asia, and the Tlapaneco Indian Ministry. And then there's also a variety of different uh, various meet and greet times. And so uh, choose uh, some missionaries that you want to visit. Uh, and we encourage you to come to these sessions with questions uh, to ask our missionaries. Just, you know, there's, uh, you might think, oh, I don't know what to ask. Just ask a question. They'd love to hear, hear from you. Don't be bashful. These are informal times to get to know our missionaries better. We want to know them better. We want to support them. We want them to have lots of people interested in their work because uh, we are interested in their work and we want to express that. And they can get to know us better as well. Uh, so that information's there. Uh, in terms of services like this, of course, we have services on Sunday morning at 9 and 11.30 like normal. And then we'll have a closing service at 6.15 on Sunday evening. Um, it really is a remarkable opportunity if you think about the days of William Carey or Hudson Taylor or Amy Carmichael or whoever, whatever missionary you want to think of, or the Apostle Paul, how much work went into traveling on ships and sending pieces of parchment or paper to connect. Um, and this weekend, it's all set up for you. Uh, you just have to go and click a button, and you're visiting with a missionary. So... Um, join us for some of these upcoming events. Let's pray as we end tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you for an opportunity that we can freely gather in this place to worship your name, to not be afraid. The doors will be broken in and, and we'll all be arrested. We thank you for the freedom we have. Lord, we thank you that we can be on mission because you're on mission. We embrace global missions because we serve a missionary God. We thank you that you came from heaven to earth. You crossed all the culture, the linguistic, and the barriers that you might bring the message, that you might live it here on this earth and show us your love, your salvation. Lord, each of us can play a part. Lord, what, is, what are each of us to do? Lord, some of us come and we've known about missions for years. Some of us, this may be new. Lord, may we take the first step and begin to look around where we live, where we work, where we play. Lord, may it change the way we look at the news and we begin to see what are you doing to reach a people group through that event Sometimes we see bad news and we can get overwhelmed. And we say things are coming unglued. And, and there's so many bad things and we're losing. Lord, we're so glad we can look into the book of Revelation and see how things will end at your throne. Gathered, people from every tribe and nation and tongue, gathered and worshiping the Lamb. Lord, that's good news. That should encourage us. 
Lord, may we teach our children that you're on mission. May we teach our friends. May we read the news differently. May we give this weekend to this amazing project going on in South Asia. May we talk to missionaries who want to just see our faces online asking them and being able to look into, their, into the screen and say, we see you there. We know you're there and we're glad you're there. Lord, may we be able to give from our wallets what needs to be given to, to empower people, nationals that are doing the work. Lord, we thank you for this weekend. We thank you that all the snow and the ice were last weekend. We thank you that you've given us this time. Would you plant seeds in all of our hearts that you might mobilize us all to be engaged in your mission, that all the world may know of your salvation. In Jesus' wonderful name, for who all we praise, amen.